take our Bibles and go to 3 John. Look at 3 John. Now, last week we wrapped up the book of 2 John. And we know, if you were here, you know that it was addressed to an elect lady that was a member of a local church that was under John's sphere of influence. And in this epistle that we're looking at today, in 3 John, uh, it's addressed to a man named Gaius. Now, not a lot of people know a lot about Gaius, but uh, he was an outstanding Christian man, and he was a model church member uh, in his local assembly. And, of course, as is the case with most epistles, and, of course, the epistles of John, he's writing this letter to combat issues within the membership of the local church. And this, just like the Bible very frequently does, it just speaks to the importance of church membership. Now, uh, we see in this uh, very short letter to Gaius several things, okay? We see recognition and compliments and high praise, but we also see condemnation and disapproval. Now, uh, really, at times, we understand that it is necessary to condemn people, biblically, right, and, and with love and, and with care and concern, uh, and so that we can help other Christians be diligent to make sure that they represent Christ well. And Mike, if you have to turn the sound system on, off, then feel free. I don't really need a microphone. I hear the buzzing. Uh, but these, there's three men that are the subject of this letter. We have Gaius, which I've already and we have Demetrius. Now, two of these members were upstanding members in their local assembly, and then one was not, and we'll see that in time. But throughout this letter, we can learn how to be a truly great church member that honors the Lord. Amen. And the examples of these three men gives us a lot of insight. It gives us a lot of help. And I believe that the Lord can use it if you allow it to. But truly, listen close. The, the local church is the most important establishment that there is. And therefore, it's in need of great church members. So we're, as we look at this, ver this, this book, we're going to, of course, go through verse by verse like we always do. But what we're going to see is, is simply this, how to be a great church member. Now, greatness is something that many look to achieve. Uh, we desire to be great and to excel in careers, and we look to be excellent in our skills and our hobbies, and we seek to master our craft and to learn how to succeed and improve that which matters to us. Uh, I mean, just for example, uh, Damien, you don't look to have the worst restaurant in the town, right? You want it to be great. All right, think of Dan, right, with his uh, contracting business. It's not his goal to be known as the worst contractor. He wants to, his business to be great. And that's just how we are. We, we desire to be great at what matters to us. And, and I think of uh, today with, the, with, with football. They, they, most teams are starting today. Right? They, they all have a goal in mind. They want to win the most valuable player award at the end of the year. They want to be known as great. Their team, they want to succeed and, and, and win a Super Bowl. They, they, they want to have greatness attached to their name. So consider this this morning. How much more attentive should a Christian be with that which matters to God? Amen. Now the church, the local church, it is God's establishment. Yeah. 
And it was God's idea. So being the best church member that you can possibly be should be something that each one of you are striving for. Amen. Because it matters to God. So it should matter to us. So we're going to begin by looking at this little book in its entirety. And uh, we're, we're going to start looking at these three men that are mentioned so that we can better be equipped to be great and contributing and intentional church members. So I'm going to just read the whole book and uh, we'll just go ahead and do that real quick and look at verse 1 of 3 John. It says, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have preeminence among them, receiveth us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, praying against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. Beloved, follow not that which is evil, but that which is good. He that doeth good is of God, but he that doeth evil hath not seen God. Demetrius hath a good report of all men, and of the truth itself. Yea, and we also bear record, and ye know that our record is true. I had many things to write, but I will not with ink and pen write unto thee. But I trust I shall shortly see thee, and we shall speak face to face. Peace be to thee, our friends salute thee. Greet the friends by name. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for this time that we can be in your house. I pray that you help us to get exactly what we need to get from the passage of Scripture that we're going to look at, Lord. And as we just go through this series in 3 John and the series of how to be a great church member, Lord, I pray that you help us. Help us to look in our own hearts and to see how exactly you would have us grow and to be better equipped to uh, be church members that are contributing, and not just here, not just uh, bodies, but we're, we're living sacrifices that are looking to do exactly what you want us to do, Lord. I pray that you'll just be honored and glorified in all that's said and done. Help me to preach exactly what you want me to preach this morning in your holy name. Amen. As this letter speaks of these three members that I've mentioned and that I read about, we find in this book 11 truths of a great church member. Earlier in the week, uh, I told my wife, my sermon on Sunday has 11 points, so buckle up. <laughs> no, we're not going to get that far. In fact, we're only going to get through the first two verses, and we're probably only going to see uh, one point, uh, and really one uh, way to be a great church member. But look, look, as we are working our way through these, uh, if you're a church member, I want you to ask God to show you as an individual what is needed in your life. Yeah. What, what does God want you to do as a member of Shiretown Baptist Church? Amen. What is it that you need help with? Look, and I say this often because it's so easy to, 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 to let our mind wander. Look, don't think about, well, you know what, so-and-so 
they really need to hear this message. You know, that, that person behind me or in front of me or beside me, man, I, I really hope that, that they get this point. No, listen, you get this point. Amen. You understand what I'm saying. Yeah. You look at what the Bible says, and you apply it to your life, because this is for you. Amen. So examine your own hearts. Now, if you're not a member, then some of these things that we're going to talk about, they're not really going to be applicable to you. But I want you to know that it would be a joy to see you join the membership of this church. Because all children of God belong to a local church, and they should be a member of one. Amen. And look, the fact of the matter is, membership of a local church is the duty of a Christian, but it's also a privilege, and it's an honor. Amen. So over the next several weeks throughout this book, we're going to see that a great church member is several things. And I have no idea how long it's going to take to get through it. It's going to take however long it takes. Amen. But we're, we'll see uh, several things. That for one, uh, a great church member, we see from verse 2, is spiritually healthy. And that's what we're going to see today. But we also learn from verse 3 that a, a great church member is a godly example. Yeah. At the end of verse 3, we'll see that a great church member is settled on truth. From verse 4, we'll see that a great church member is a joy to pastor. We'll also see that from verse 5 to 7, that a great church member is hospitable. We'll see from verse 8 that a great church member is laboring for the gospel. We'll see from verse 9 that a great church member is selfless. From verse 10, we'll see that a great church member is mindful of speech rather than malicious. We'll see also in verse 10 that a great church member is willing to work out problems. We'll see from verse 11 that a great church member is a doer of good. And lastly, from verse 12, we'll see that a great church member has a good testimony in the community. Amen. It's a lot to, to unravel, but there's some really good points in there. So, now, now understand this. When a, a church is full of members that, are, that do those things... The church functions exactly the way it's supposed to function. Amen. Satan has no say. The world cannot break the bond of believers. And God is able to do an absolutely incredible work when church members do all those things. And when they function as they're supposed to, the church runs very smoothly and very effectively like a well-oiled machine. So each member... Of a local church, I want you to know, and as you see here this morning, you either help or hinder the work of God in this church. You're doing one or the other today. Amen. Those of you maybe that just come here, and you just sit here, and then you just leave and do nothing, you're hindering the work of the church. Right. And you're not allowing God to have the impact that He desires to have in your life and in the church. Because understand that, that church members should be serving members. Amen. They should be faithful to each service. Right. I want you to know this morning that you cannot be used by God in this church if you're never here. Right. You can't be used by God in this church if you're barely here. You need to be faithful. So we'll go ahead and just begin by looking at the first fact that a great church member is spiritually healthy. Let's look again at verse 1 of... 3 John, and look at verse 2 as well. John writes, The elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Now, throughout this letter, John 
he calls Gaius beloved. I believe he calls him that four times, which just speaks to the fact that he was very esteemed and he was very dear to John and he loved him sincerely. Now, while very little is known of this man Gaius, we do know that he was a man of character. He was a man of godliness. He was somebody that wanted to please God. He wanted to be used of God. And because of this, John wished him to be very healthy. Let's look again at verse 2. He says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. Now, it was very common in these times when writing a letter to somebody to wish health upon them. But John goes even further by telling Gaius that he wishes him to be as physically healthy as he is spiritually healthy. It's quite a statement, and we're going to look into that a little bit more later on. But we find from this passage that Gaius' soul did prosper. That word prosperous, now, now a lot of times when people think of prosperity, they think of, of, of riches, and they do think of health, and they do think of, you know, having this toy and that toy, and all these things in the great house, but this prospering, the fact that guys, uh, his soul prospereth, it means that he was successful, but it means that he was spiritually healthy. It means that he was spiritually prospering, and he was spiritually successful. And you may wonder here this morning, okay, well, what does it mean that, that he was spiritually healthy? What made Gaius spiritually healthy? Now, I don't know about you, but if, as a Christian, I want to be spiritually healthy. Amen. And it, as you sit here this morning, you should want to be spiritually healthy as well. But what made Gaius spiritually healthy? Well, the answer is found in that word, prosperous. It's the exact same word that God used with Joshua as he prepared to take the Israelites into the promised land. Let's go there in Joshua chapter 1. Now you should be very familiar with this book, as not too long ago we went through the entire book, verse by verse. But let's look at Joshua chapter 1. And look at verse 8. The Bible says, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe and do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. What made Joshua prosper? Or what did God say would make him prosperous? The meditation. The reading, the observation, and the adherence to God's law. And again, we know from going through this book for several months how true this was. So what made Gaius spiritually healthy was his care and his concern for God's word. Or you could say God's truth, which is found in God's word. And this is truly where it all began. Let's go back to 3 John. Go back to 3 John. If you were to run into Gaius during this time that John is writing to him, you would find that he loved the Word of God. You would find that he was consumed with the truth of God's Word, and uh, it's reinforced in verse 3. Look at it again there. Look at verse 3. John says, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in me. Well, how did it get in him? Because 
He loved the truth. He meditated on the truth. He read the truth. And look at it, the end there. Even as thou walkest in the truth. Gaius' focus was the truth of God's word. He genuinely cared for the truth of his word. He was spiritually healthy. He was spiritually prosperous because he had a very consistent diet of God's word. He wasn't consumed with all the distractions of his day as so many were and as so many are. Man, people are, are very distracted these days. It's, it's easy for any believer, I believe, to try to sit down and try to read their Bible for even a short amount of time without having some kind of distraction come up. Again, if, if Gaius was here today, he, I don't believe that he would have been distracted or focused on his Facebook. He wouldn't be focused on his news feed. He wouldn't be consumed with politics and the news. He wouldn't uh, be preoccupied with the affairs of this life. He would be focused on Christ and he would be focused on his word. Amen. For Gaius, instead of re the, the daily reading of the Bible being a chore, it would be a joy. Rather than walking into church and expecting nothing from God, Gaius longed for and he sought after and he was excited to hear from the Word of God through the preaching of His Word. I'm going to ask you this morning, as you have walked in this church building, have you come expecting anything from God? Amen. Have you come expecting anything from His Word? I believe if you expect nothing, that's exactly what you're going to get. As you walk in here, you ought to expect to hear from the Word. Many people, and I kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, many people often see worship in the church as only music, but look, what we're doing here right now is worship. Amen. We're adhering to the Word of God. We're giving ear to God's Word, and I believe it's the highest form of worship. I believe, guys, instead of just talking about everything under the sun besides scriptures, you know, besides talking about weather or sports or hobbies, again, news, I, I believe that Gaius, he was somebody that spoke of the wonder of God's word as he dug into it and as he learned of it and as he grew in it. He was concerned about the truth of God. And this was part of what made him a great church member. This was a part of what caused him to be spiritually healthy, his care for God's word. Gaius could say what David said, in the 119th Psalm, let's go there. We looked at a couple verses, but I want to uh, look in a few different other places here. In Psalm chapter 119. Well, we know, if you know anything about David, you know that he loved God. You know that he loved the Word of God. And it's safe to say that God has it too. Look at Psalm 119. And look at verse 16, as we already read. And then we'll go further in the chapter. Look at verse 16 of Psalm 119. It says, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Go to verse 97 and 98. It says in verse 97, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day. Thou, through thy commandments, hast made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. Guys are spiritually healthy because he had a love for God's word. He, he loved it, he meditated on it, he delighted in it, and he lived in it, and as a result, he lived it out. I want you to ask yourself this question this morning. Each one of you here, can the same be said of you? Are you spiritually prosperous and spiritually healthy? Is your spirit revived and close to Christ? 
You can only say yes if you're in God's Word. Amen. Charles Spurgeon once said that if we want revival, we must revive our reverence for the Word of God. Amen. A lot of people define revival as just a feeling, uh, emotionalism, and, and very little concern about the Word of God. No, if you want revival, get in the Word of God. Amen. God the Word of God cannot take a back seat in our lives or in the church. It has to be first and foremost. We need, we absolutely need revival in our lives. And if we want revival, then you know what we need to do? We need to stop being complacent. We need to stop being careless in our worship and with our Christianity and with our Bible reading and with uh, what we're doing right now here in church. We need to listen closely to the Word of God. The true reviving of our spirit will not happen apart from God's Word. Again, this, what we're doing now, is true worship. And it's such a far cry from what we see in most modern churches. Let's go to Nehemiah chapter 8. And it's funny because Paul mentioned this passage to me earlier this week, and I had just read this in my Bible reading. But look at Nehemiah chapter 1. And this really, you could say, was a church service. And we've talked about this before in Joshua, about how they would stand up there and, and they would read the book of Deuteronomy, and that was what they did. They just read the, the book of the law. And that was worship. Look at verse uh, 1 of Nehemiah chapter 8. It says, And all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street. That was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded Israel. And Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street, that was before the water gate from the morning until midday, before the men and women and those that could understand in the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Let me just stop right there. From the morning until the midday, they're standing there and they're listening and being attentive to the reading of God's word. Oh, how far we've fallen today. We can't even focus for 30 minutes, 45 minutes to preaching. May the Lord help us if that's the case. Look at verse 4. And as the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose, and beside him stood uh, Mattathiah, and Shema, and Ananiah, and Yerjiah, Hilkiah, Messiah, and on his right hand, and on his left hand, Pedadiah, and Michelle, and Malachiah, and Hashem, and Hashbedana, and Zechariah, and Malshalam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting their hands, and they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the rounds. And these people knew what real worship was. They loved the law of God. They loved it enough to listen for hours and be attentive to it. And truly a steady diet of God's Word, both in the church and in our personal life, is first and foremost, if we want to have spiritual prosperity. Again, going back to Gaius, he was spiritually revived, he was spiritually healthy, and it all went back to him being fed by the church and in his private devotions as he longed for God's Word. Now we know that the Bible often likens God's people to sheep. And it's obvious that an essential part of the life of a sheep, or really any animal, is food. And if a sheep does not eat, or if a sheep rarely eats, then it won't be healthy. And guess what? You'll easily be able to tell. 
But likewise, the, the, the food of God's Word is absolutely essential in the life of a Christian. And I want you to understand this morning that coming to church once a week to get fed is not good enough. Amen. It's not good enough. You're not going to be spiritually healthy if that's all you do. You need daily intake. Christ said, men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Now the Bible itself really drives the, the truth of that very uh, often and very hard by comparing itself to actual food. This speaks of how vital it is for our spiritual health. The fact that we need to be in the Word of God, we need to be fed by the local church. Uh, for one, uh, the Word is as milk for newborn babes. As 1 Peter verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 2 tells us that the desire, the sincere milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby. You need the Word of God in order to grow. It's also uh, likened to meat for more mature believers, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Psalms, as we sang that song in Psalm 19, tells us that God's word is sweeter than the honeycomb. And the prophet Jeremiah, as many others, he highly commended the word of God, and as he did this, he also compared it to physical food. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 15. Jeremiah chapter 15, and look at verse 16. Jeremiah 15, and look at verse 16. It says there in verse 16, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. And look, the word of God brings joy. It brings rejoicing. It gives us spiritual health to the believer in Christ. It caused guys to be spiritually healthy, which uh, really it, affect, it affected many other qualities, as we'll find in this book. I want to ask you this question this morning. Do you desire to be spiritually prosperous? Do you desire to be spiritually healthy? Do you desire to see God work in your life? Then dig in. Amen. Dig in. I find it very interesting I've already kind of commented on this, that as John wished Gaius physical health, he in essence told him, I hope that your physical health matches your spiritual health. Mm. Very interesting. Amen. And it's really a remarkable statement because it just speaks to the condition of Gaius' spiritual state. And it caused me to consider this question, it caused me to ask this question, mm. if the physical health of each person in our church matched their spiritual health, what would that look like? What would happen? I think no doubt that we do have some that would be very, very healthy. You'd be very physically strong. Uh, those that are spiritually strong and they're growing in the Word, they're faithful in their Bible reading, they're faithful to attend the services that we have at this church, they're, they're, they're looking to get something from the preaching of the Word. There will be some very strong Christians, physically strong people here, if their physical health matched their spiritual. But I'm afraid that there would also be some members here that would be deathly ill if their physical health matched their spiritual and some would maybe even be on life support, which is a, a good 
picture that shows us how of uh, just a spiritually ill Christian that just, they show up to, uh, to church on just one Sunday a week, and they just get their weekly feeding, they get just enough to get by, and then they, they leave and never have anything more until the next Sunday. It's unfortunate, but I think a lot of people would be very, very, very ill if their physical health matched their spiritual. But not only that, I have no doubt that we have some in our midst, and maybe some that even attend our church on a regular basis, that are spiritually dead. If in this very moment, your physical condition suddenly matched your spiritual, you would die this very instant. And the reason for that is because you're dead in trespasses and sins. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Look at verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 2. It says, And you have the quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by the nature children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when ye, we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and hath made us, to, uh, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Paul writes a lot of these words in the past tense to begin this chapter, because all that are in Christ, they were at one time spiritually dead. And those that uh, are spiritually dead are obviously in no way spiritually healthy. You cannot look at a dead person and say that person is healthy. And likewise, you cannot look at somebody that is lost in their sins and say they are spiritually healthy as well because they are spiritually dead. So those that are spiritually dead, they do not have a soul that is prospering like Gaius, uh, but rather a soul that is doomed for hell. Their soul is headed for an eternity that is apart from God, and this is so because from birth we have a sin nature. And this sin nature it causes us to face God's wrath as all sin demands a penalty. And Paul even mentions the wrath of God. Look again at verse 3. He mentions the wrath of God. He says, Among whom also we all had a conversation in times past and the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The children of wrath. Understand this morning that if you're not a child of God, you're a child of wrath. And by the way, each of us here are rightly deserving of experiencing the holy wrath of God because of our sin. But you don't have to face His wrath. Look again at verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. So, God, in His love and mercy, He sent Christ to die in our place so that we could be made alive, or as verse 5 tells us, quickened. 
and we're made alive and no longer under His wrath or under the condemnation of God if we trust in Christ. Again, notice there, it says, By grace are ye saved. And He doubles down on this in verse 8 and 9. Look at it again. For by grace are ye saved through faith. And not out of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I don't understand how anybody in their right mind could read those verses and think that they are saved by some sorts of work. Understand this morning that there's no soul that enters heaven because they said a prayer. There's no soul in heaven today because they put money in the offering plates or they went to church. And it's important to understand too, there's no soul in heaven today because they joined a church. There's no soul in heaven today because they were outwardly a great church member. <clears throat> Salvation comes only when one places no dependence on themselves for forgiveness from God and they place it all on Jesus Christ. As one preacher said, Jesus is not a good way to get to heaven. He's not even the best way to get to heaven. He's the only way to get to heaven. Amen. It's a tragedy but so many people in our own community, they believe that they're getting to heaven because they did X, Y, and Z. I talk to them very frequently as I go door to door with the gospel. But until you come to the place that you realize this truth and you trust only in Him, then today you are still dead in trespasses and sins. So if that's where you're at this morning, I urge you to follow Christ. Follow Christ. As he allows us to sit in heavenly places, as verse 8 tells us. To give up the pleasures of sins, to repent and to turn to Christ, it's to exchange heaven for hell. Amen. It is to give up our filthy rags and thank God gain heavenly robes. It is to give up dirt for diamonds. It is worth it. And you need to follow Christ. Do not stay dead in your sins. Come to Christ. Give your life wholly to Him. I thank God that I have. Amen. And if you have, you can thank God as well. You must repent of your sins and turn to Christ. Now, some people get upset with that repentance, that word repentance, but it's very biblical. It's clearly written in, here in Ephesians. Look at verse 2 again. It says, Where in times past, you walked according to the course of this world. In other words, you used to be worldly. You used to love the things of this world. You used to love the things that God hates. But now you've repented. And now you're following after Christ. Repentance is very biblical. In times past. You must repent and be saved today. And as I've, I've, I've done this, I've trusted Christ as my Savior. Thank God from that very moment the Holy Spirit's dwelt in me. And, and I, I long to know God more. I, I, I long to live a spiritually healthy Christian life. And oftentimes when we think of, of spiritual people, we think of people that are spiritually prosperous or spiritually healthy. We don't really gauge it by that which we don't see. We often gauge it by the outward acts that we might see, don't we? You know, maybe how much... How much one attends church? Which again, it's important to attend church. You should be here every time the doors are open. But it's not just about attending church. It's about how engaged you are during the preaching and how well you're applying to your life. Amen. Maybe we consider one to be spiritual based on their outward dress. Which really speaks to 
uh, the great lengths of time that uh, one has prepared their outward body for church, all the while true spirituality can be found in how well you prepared your heart and your mind for church. Man, may we see the error of our ways if we spend much time in the, the literal mirror to prepare ourselves outwardly for church, yet little to no time looking in the mirror of God's Word to prepare our heart for worship. The measure of our spiritual health has very little to do with what people see and very much to do with that which is unseen. So how is your spiritual health? If you're in the Word of God... It'll give you the spiritual health that you need. To be spiritually healthy is to be a great church member. And you might say, okay, well, why is that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because when you're spiritually healthy and when you're in God's Word daily, it is then that you can do, as 2 Corinthians 9, 5 tells us, exhort the brethren. It is then that you can take part in doing what Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12 tells us, and edifying the body of Christ. It is then that you can do as Hebrews 10.23 tells us, and hold fast the profession of faith without wavering. It's then that we can do as 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, and comfort one another with these words, meaning the word of God. It's then that we can be as the Bereans in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, that says that they were noble, and they received the word with all readiness of mind. And what else did they do? They searched the scriptures to see whether the things that were said was so. Look, true spirituality, it really prospers because of our love for the Word of God. The, the spirituality of Gaius prospered because he read and he consumed and he was dedicated to the Word of God. He was rooted in the Word and again, it's affected many other aspects of his character. And this is in part why he was a great church member, because he wanted to honor God, and he knew in order to do that, that he had to be committed to his word. Amen. So listen, Christian, consistently dig in the word of God. Be spiritually healthy for the sake of your family. Be spiritually healthy for the sake of this church. Be spiritually healthy for the sake of the lost in our community, as you are a living testimony of the gospel. And being an effective church member, it all starts with loving and living in the Word of God. Do you do that? May we all do, as Charles Spurgeon once said, visit many good books, but live in the Bible. We need to live in the Bible. I'll close with this. Psalm chapter 1, it tells us, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree, planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Amen. The ungodly are not sober like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Don't you want to be a spiritually healthy Christian? Get in the Word of God. Be dedicated to the Word of God. Don't be like a lot of people that just walk into church Sunday after Sunday, not expecting anything from God. They're not looking to hear from God. They're just coming in to check the box and get out of here. Don't be that Christian because that's a useless Christianity. How can you apply the Scriptures to your life? Learn it every single day. 
apply it every single day to do this is to be spiritually prosperous and to be healthy. And that is going to build the local church. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes.